Welcome back to His and Hers Movie Podcast. This is episode number 47, featuring a review of Death December, a horror advent calendar anthology. We'll explain more about that later. Joining me tonight on this holiday episode of His and Hers Movie Podcast on this December 22nd, 2020, is my co-host, the one and only Carly. I'm JP, by the way. Yes, I am Carly. Hi. We are back for this Christmas episode. Yes, we are, and it is close to Christmas as we speak. It is. It's quite crazy. Are you done with all your wrapping, buddy? No. I haven't wrapped anything. Not one thing. Wrap it! Why do you wait until three days before Christmas? Did you tell me to rap? No, 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 buddy. I meant like W-R-A-P. Because I will spit a hot flow. Buddy, It's <laughs> no, Christmas don't. in Hollywood. Santa's back up in the hood. So meet me under the mistletoe. Let's on. It's Hanukkah in Inglewood. The dreidel spinning in the hood. So meet me under the menorah. Let's get drunk. Buddy, is it really a hot flow if you're just taking it from another song? Nobody has ever heard that song. Maybe Watson. <laughs> I'm sure he has. I guarantee it. Yeah. But anyway, um, yeah, so you need to get on the ball with that, and because I would like my presence promptly after the show. I already told you you got Cole. No, I would, well, even, even then, I would like it to be wrapped cool, please. You got black Cole. You got opal Cole. You got topaz coal? <laughs> what other fancy word of coal do I have? Aquamarine coal? <laughs> Yay, I can't wait. <laughs> um, so yeah, this is our Christmas episode, our first annual Christmas episode. And I just wanted to ask you, since it's Christmas time... Have you been a good little sagging? <laughs> yes, I, I think I have. Um, I think that my actions this year, if they were bad, were justified. And I feel that um, I've been a very good little John and I deserve all my gifts. So. I don't know what about, about you? that. Well, how do you feel about yourself? Have you been a good little John? Always. When? <laughs> Say one Always. time. I, I will wait. I will wait. Always. Always well, means all the time. I see. Well, either way, we have both been good um, in our opinions, and we'll just have to see what Santa has to say about that. As he is the man with the plan. How about a nice football? <laughs> football, football. What's a football? So, have you been watching a lot of Christmas movies? No. Really? Um, I think I watched about 12 or so, which is good enough, I think. Yeah, you watch movies for fun, but I, on the other hand, I'm trying to prep for, you know, podcasts and whatnot. Um, I did, I watched Krampus and Santa's Sleigh, which I'm supposed to do on movie versus movie, hopefully, if we can do that on time, but I, I don't know, it's not looking that good. Could, that's not the best pairing. I mean, come on. What would be the best pairing? 
um, well, Santa's Slay or like Silent Night, Deadly Night, maybe? We already did Silent Night, Deadly Night, and Christmas Evil last year. Or maybe like Scent? Scent versus Krampus would be a better one, maybe. I don't know what Scent is. Uh, Scent is from Dick Moss. Which rhymes with Chris Moss. <laughs> Dude, that's a horrible name. Dick Moss. It's like you have moss on your dick. <laughs> it might be Mass. I don't know. Oh. Um, he is the guy that made The Lift in the 80s, which is a killer oh. elevator film. But he also m- made the... What was the other one called? The Lift. Down. Down, yeah, which is a remake of The Lift. And he also made Amsterdamned, which is like a like a um, slasher from like uh, where's it from? Where's the place they went in Euro Trip? Amsterdam. I don't know. Oh, Amsterdam. <laughs> <laughs> Are you stupid? <laughs> Funny. Uh, I'm stupid. Yeah. Um. No, but dude, we paired, we both just picked a Christmas move and said we will pair them together. But to be fair, I mean, both are kind of horror comedies and both have like animated parts. So. Yeah, but Krampus is so much better of a movie. And I love Santa Slay, but it's just no competition. I might have more fun with Santa Slay. That's cool. I mean, I, I would rate it probably lower, but. Um, I don't know, dude. Krampus kind of loses no. a little bit of steam for me. It's only gained steam with me. No, it loses steam. Um, but you know, do you know no, what? What? Let me ask you this: What are your favorite Christmas movies? Horror. Uh, Christmas horror hair movies would be. I really love Silent Night, Deadly Night. That's probably my number one at this point. Um, I enjoy the sequel as well, which is the other movie, Christmas movie that I got to, uh, Silent Night, Deadly Night 2. Um, you also really like Silent I would... Night, Deadly Night 5. <laughs> oh yeah, I did like that one quite a bit, but I haven't seen, I only saw, that was only my second time watching that whenever I watched it for the podcast, so I can't really say that's like a favorite. Um, uh, Black Christmas has grown on me. I used to think it was kind of just boring, but the original, um, but now I tend to like it. Christmas Evil, I think, is really good. Um, Santa Slay, I think, is really fun. That was the first time watched this year. So, those are probably, like, my main, the main ones. I feel like I'm forgetting probably some, but uh, those are probably the main ones that I would like to watch, like, year year after year, I would say. So, what about you? Um, I have so many, and that's why when Dave said that there wasn't that many good ones, I was like, yeah, right. Yeah. Um, literally, Christmas horror movies are some of my favorite movies ever. One that I absolutely love. I didn't watch it this year, but I usually watch it. Um, I might, I might pop some in on Christmas Eve, even though I'm supposed to be watching 2020 movies. I may still pop some in, and uh, I think that I'll probably pop in Gremlins. Oh, I forgot all about Gremlins. Yeah. So Gremlins is. Oh, I watched, I watched Gremlins the other night. I forgot because I watched it at that Friendsmas gathering I went to. I have to log that on my thing. Oh, cool. But yeah. go on. Um. Yes. So yeah, uh, Gremlins is an all-time classic for me. I also really Krampus has grown on me a lot, and also, 
uh, Dead End is like a hidden gem that I love. Have you ever seen that one? The one with Lynn Shay? Yeah. Um, yeah, I used to watch that. I watched that a few times when I was a kid, but I literally probably haven't seen it since I was maybe eight years old. So I barely really, I, I, I would probably, it would probably all come back to me if I watched it. But I remember I really liked it. And my mom always liked that one too. So yeah, I feel like in my head, I didn't realize it was like a Christmas type move though. Yeah. It, to me, it's, it's a very good one. And then, um, what else? Uh, probably inside is a phenomenal one but that's not one that i'll always go to just simply because it's subtitled Mm. and i don't know i'm just you know i don't know like subtitled movies aren't like go-to movies for me usually yeah i feel you i do um what else uh i really love like scent was really good um which is i guess if there's a few comedic moments in it i really like santa slay as well um the children that i watched for the first time this year is really good uh what else i mean there really are so many great ones silent night deadly night yeah. of course yeah i even really like jack per frost oh yeah i forgot about that too i i enjoy that as well um but Oh, and you guys are a little hard on Jack Frost too, by the way. I don't think so. I think that movie sucks. I don't think you've watched it. It's fun. It's a lot funner than um. I think you. I don't know, dude. I only watched it that one time, though, to be honest. But I had fun with it at least, and I feel like you guys are just like no. But anyway, yes, there's a lot of Christmas horror movies, and there's a lot of ones that are of quality. Ooh, you know what? One of my favorites is now. What? It is Better Watch Out. Absolutely oh, yeah. love that one. Yeah, you did enjoy that quite a bit. Even um, the remake of Black Christmas, the first one. I like that movie too. Everyone hates on it, but I think it's a lot of fun. I think P2 is really good. I forgot about P2. That's one of my favorites as well. Even though it's like not super Christmassy, but it's still like pretty Christmassy. It's got some good stuff going for it. Alien Raiders is an underrated gem. I don't like alien moves. Um, and well, it's kind of more like the thing almost. Oh. Huh. Um, a cadaver Christmas. Have you ever seen Never that seen one? Never seen it. That one's no. really fun. Cool. cool. Um, shoot. Uh, there's some other good ones too. I think. <laughs> Red Red Christmas is pretty good, even though Red it's like Christmas in Australia, so it's not the best no atmosphere or anything but it's pretty good yeah i th- i think so yeah um, um yeah but i think i think there's really a lot of good ones silent night bloody night yeah that was pretty that was pretty decent that's an old one 72 move yeah i like the i always like the titles of christmas horror movies because they're always like puns or like based off songs like better watch out christmas evil black christmas instead of white christmas like calvair silent night deadly night oh yeah calvair that's a good one as well okay so speaking of christmas based movies one of the coolest things ever happened this week um mikey fish directed a faux trailer 
a mock trailer, if you will. So it, the movie doesn't exist. He just made a trailer um, for mm. a movie called Up on the Housetop or Up on the Rooftop. Ooh. Did you watch it? No, I I did see him post it, but I didn't get around to actually watching it. Dude, it is insanely well done. Yeah? I think it's brilliant. <laughs> like, for a fake trailer, it looks like the movie exists. <laughs> and it has that like, Mikey Flish, Fish flair, too, because it's like, it looks like it's played super serious, but it's um, essentially like a killer reindeer film. Oh, no. I'll have to watch it. Yeah, definitely watch it. I mean, I would love Mikey Fish to get a chance to make this movie one day. Is that does he have that? Does he want to actually make it into a movie? Is that uh, I like, think cool? he he said like hopefully one day he can, but it was so cool, man. Mikey Fish is a talented dude. Yeah, and he's funny. Yeah, I, I love that guy, man. He he's he's yeah. awesome, and he's supported our show Twenty Two Shots for so long too, dude. I mean. Mm-hmm. I just I just love that guy, man. I think he's one of the coolest dudes in the community. Yeah, he's really nice, really cool. Yeah. And he lo- he looks like he's starting to become an actor and stuff and he looks like he would have charisma and screen presence. So, I really wish mm-hmm. him the best and I hope he does well. Yes. Yes. Mikey Fish. FDVD. But, uh... <laughs> <laughs> Actually, he I like likes how you DVD. censored that. <laughs> FDVD, you you messed it up. <laughs> uh, like, but um, the best, uh, the best yeah. is when he was pretending to be that Peter guy, and he like did that video. That was funny. That was so like spot on. Yeah, I agree. <clears throat> um, so I I think I've done some tweaking to the audio, so it should be a little bit better. But um. I'm a little worried about this one because I turned my gain down for 22 shots because I think it was too high, but now I think it might be too low, so I'm worried. Oh! Yeah. Watson said that it sounded good on the last step. I know. But. So just keep letting us know, guys. So, buddy, what are your favorite just regular Christmas moves? Like non-horror? Yes. Uh, Home Alone 1 and 2, which I did revisit this year, absolute classics. And then, honestly, Christmas Vacation. Those are really the... I don't think I've seen a ton of Christmas movies that aren't horror. Really? I felt like... I feel like I'm surprised by that. Unless I'm forgetting some. But also, another one is Ernest Saves Christmas, which I haven't seen in years, but I used to watch that as a kid. Oh, well, Christmas Nightmare story. Before Christmas. Oh, A Christmas Story. Duh. <laughs> Die yeah. Hard. I never seen Die Hard. Wait a minute. What? I offered that to you as a blind spot, and you said you had seen it. No, I didn't. Are you sure? Yeah, because I was even thinking, like, just I was thinking, like, recently, like, I wonder why you didn't put that on my list because I remember you saying that you used to make your other friends like watch that film because you felt that it was one everyone needed to see. Yeah, for sure. Um, I love Christmas specials, like, on TV, like, Home Improvement, uh, any Christmas ones they've done. Uh, I love Mm -hmm. the, I remember as a kid watching, like, Yogi Bear Christmas, um, those, like, Christmas specials with, like, the Yogi Bear characters. Uh, also, 
um like the wonder years episodes that are christmas mm. uh simpsons uh roasting over a christmas fire or whatever the heck it is called the f- very first simpsons episode was a christmas episode 1989 jeez yeah it's funny to think that the simpsons are older than me yeah that's crazy yeah and Do they well still older make new than episodes? You. yeah it's yeah still it's going? still yeah. going yeah, it's Crazy. the longest running um, an, uh, animated. It might be the longest. I think it's the longest running American sitcom. Jeez. Yeah. So pretty crazy. Of yeah. course, like sitcoms in general. I was thinking about this the other day. I miss watching sitcoms. It used to be such a nightly tradition for me. Like I remember watching like Roseanne every mm. night before I went to sleep. Yeah. And even the other ones when they were airing, like, Fresh Prince of Bel-Air. Yeah, I, um, I did the, not, I would come home from school and watch sitcoms and, like, eat dinner. That would be my thing. I would watch, like, Roseanne and, like, The Big Bang Theory and just all my favorite sitcoms when I would get home from school. I think the last true sitcom that I watched while it was on was How I Met Your Mother. Yeah. Which, yeah. in my opinion, might be the greatest. I see. I see. Love I did find show. it rather humorous. Yeah, we watched a couple of episodes. Yes. And uh, I love that show, man. Love, love, love that show. So good. But I, I really want to, one day, get back into revisiting sitcoms. Like, even stuff like The Big Bang Theory, I think I would really like that show. I've never mm. watched a single episode. Yeah, I pretty much, I was obsessed with it, and then season five, I kind of just stopped because I just stopped, like, it was like a phase, and I kind of didn't end up watching past that, but I used to find that show hilarious. Um, It's just weird, like, I don't watch any TV pretty much anymore, and it's just so weird, because that was just my life growing up in high school, and now I feel like all I do is watch movies, so it's a very strange thing or if i do watch tv it's like netflix series or something like that it's never just like i'm gonna sit down and throw on see what's on tv yeah i think well quite strange in particular like sitcoms i still watch some tv but like Mm -hmm. sitcoms was a huge part of my life growing up that 70s show i watched religiously yeah and even those holiday specials like thanksgiving and christmas and stuff Mm mm-hmm those are really yeah. fun. Um, what is your favorite um, Christmas present you've ever got? Oh, God. Um, Christmas present. I don't want to sound like a bitch, but like I used to get pretty much everything I wanted for Christmas, <laughs> so it's hard to like pinpoint. See, it's when I was like a kid, and I'm glad, like, I look back on this and it makes me happy because I know my parents didn't have a lot of money. But everyone would always ask for, like, you know, the new PlayStation or video game thing or some technology. And I never really asked for that stuff growing up. I always wanted toys still and, like, arts and crafts type stuff. But I'm trying to think of anything that, like, really blew my mind. My favorite Christmas gift ever was a PlayStation. Yeah. Yep. I was so a play, like the original the PlayStation. original PlayStation in like 1998. Nice, nice. 
Yep. Of course, that PlayStation had a tragic life, but... (laughs) (laughs) Oh, yeah, I know, yeah. You know the story. (laughs) Yeah, my poor buddy. Yeah. See, I got, like, I, I got a PlayStation 2 off of, like, a friend, but I don't think that was a Christmas gift. I think they just gifted me a PlayStation 2 one year. Like, I don't think that had anything to do with Christmas. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, but, you know, yeah. I, I I really loved Christmas when I would get the stuff I wanted. Yeah, dude, I was, like, uh, I would just ask for, like, Polly Pockets and, like, Raggedy Ann dolls and basic stuff i i remember i got a saucer sled like or you know a saucer thingy to use in the snow and i really enjoyed that because i used to love sled riding i had a decent hill in my yard back in the day so that was pretty exciting but like there's nothing that really stands out too much i got um another one of my favorite gifts was my first bb gun (laughs) was it a red rider bb gun it was it was a daisy Was it was Red Rider Daisy? I don't know, buddy. Yeah, it was like a Daisy pump, like a um, cool. lever action pump. Nice, nice, very nice. And then, um, yeah. what else? Uh, I got I got some cool stuff. Hey, wait a minute. What? Did I buy that tech deck or did I leave it? I think you left it. Oh, man. I wanted that for myself. Aw, buddy. We went Christmas shopping today, and I I found a tech deck, and I haven't had a tech deck in a long time, but I was obsessed with them when I was a kid, and I was going to play with it. (laughs) You're stupid. Aw, man. I'm sorry, buddy. It was only like three bucks, too. Yeah. Yeah, that's okay, though. Uh, uh, Hey, it's it's all right. (laughs) Um... But yeah, dude, I mean, uh, like, that PlayStation was definitely my favorite. I, I, I remember I got two games with it. I got one called, like, Too Extreme or something like that. It was, like, skateboarding, uh, BMX. Uh, I think there was, like, luges in it. It was, like, a racing game. It was pretty fun. And then the uh, other game that I got with it was amazing. It was Twisted Metal 2. Nice. And I played the hell out of Twisted Metal 2 with my cousin. I have never played that. Oh, it was so fun. It was really fun. Honestly, it was like one of the first Battle Royale games, honestly, if you think about it. Huh. So, cool. yeah, those those are some of the favorite Christmas presents and games and stuff, but... Yeah, so I guess do you want to go into what we watched unless you have anything else? I did get a Barbie, a giant Barbie house when I was young and that was pretty awesome. I've been sitting here the whole time racking my brain trying to remember gifts and I completely gone blank. <laughs> that that was a that was a nice thing to get. But anyway, yes, we shall go into what we have watched. All right, I think and you go first. Why? Isn't it my blind spot this week? We both watched the blind spot, though. No, but wasn't it my turn? Or no, it was it was your turn. Wait. Yeah. Oh, yeah. This was my turn. This would have technically been my turn. So, wouldn't you go first? Yep. Yes. All right. So, what was where did I leave off on last week? 
Dawn of the Dead and Black Christmas were the last two you talked about. Really? Yes. Did we talk about Christmas Vacation? Yeah. Okay. Alright, so first up for me is Blood Quantum 2019 getting its wide release in 2020. Uh, There's going to be probably a good bit of 2020 movies. This movie was about a... Uh, indigenous people who there's a zombie outbreak and they are immune and it starts out during the outbreak and then it jumps ahead like six months or something like that Uh, I thought it was pretty good I really liked the concept of like these indigenous people being immune Um, apparently this has to do with a lot of um, like Canadian culture or something like that uh, that Moods and Heather were aware of or something. Uh, he Moods told me to listen to the podcast he did on Fresh Cuts with it, to, where they talk about it. I haven't done that yet, but uh, yeah, I thought it was pretty good. Uh, barring a few decisions and character motivations and stuff like that, they kind of got on my nerves a little bit, but I thought it was shot really well, and the cinematography and lighting and, and the look of the film was really good. So I gave that a 7.5 out of 10. And then I watched Scare Package, but I watched it with Joe Bob on the last drive-in when they showed it, I think, last season. And this was a new 2019-2020 film from Shudder. It's a Shudder exclusive. It's an anthology film. I think there's like eight or so segments in it, eight or nine or something like that. I felt like it was a bit long. And one of Joe Bob's big critique is like, there's just too many uh oh it's seven segments in a wraparound or two wraparounds or something and i think joe bob was kind of saying like he think he, he thought it would have been better if they like limited the like four segments and i agree i think there's like four solid segments in there um one of the good ones was the the opening called cold open i thought that was really funny a little meta in there and then another one was the segment called like part four the final kill or so or no the night he came back again part four the final kill (laughs) which was like a little slasher segment type thing where they capture the slasher killer but it's funny how it all plays out and uh one time in the woods was good and then the main story i thought was good like the wraparound um which there's actually a really cool surprise cameo late in the movie Uh, As far as the Joe Bob thing goes, they kept teasing Joe Bob where he's like, you know, he was talking about the second movie and they're like, that's not the second movie. And he's like, what do you mean? He's like, we changed the Darcy's like, we changed the second movie. He's like, you can't change the second movie. I have to know what the movie is. Like, I do research for this. (laughs) (laughs) And they're like, nope. And the whole time he's like, what's the second movie? And they're like, nope, not telling you. Um, But the second movie was hogzilla which is a movie that joe bob starred in from like 2008 or something like that that um hadn't been released so shutter kind of like got it released i think oh by reaching out to the director and stuff i guess there was like um legal issues with it but i actually threw it on just to see like the opening when he talked about it and stuff i didn't finish it but yeah it looks like a bad killer pig movie (laughs) But Scare Package, I gave a 6.5 out of 10, too. 
And then I watched Z from 2019, which is about a, um, what the hell was it about? An imaginary friend? Oh yeah, the kid has an imaginary friend, and then there's like a twist with it, like being um, actually ingrained in the family longer and stuff. It, it, It was pretty cool. I thought there was some good jump scares, but it must not have been too cool considering I totally blanked on what the movie was about. Were you about to panic? You're like, buddy. Yeah, I was about to be like Dave Z, like, oh, I, I don't have my notes. I'm useless without my notes. But these are mental <laughs> notes. I'm useless yeah. without my mental notes. <laughs> You're stupid. Um, but yeah, the, the, do you remember when Dave Z like thought he lost his notes that time and had like a panic attack? Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> oh, I forgot that, about that. That was good. I miss listening to Exploding Heads. Well, you could, buddy. You could. I haven't listened to them in well over a year. Buddy. I know. I stay up to date. They're funny still and still going strong. I just am not a huge fan of how, um, like, I like being able to listen to it on Spotify and stuff. Yeah, that's one thing that I wish um, wasn't a thing is the Patreon setup. Because it's annoying. You can't go, like... I have to take a screenshot of where I am whenever I'm listening to it because it'll just replay back at the beginning and then I have mm-hmm. to go find my spot again. But other than that, it's fine. I cannot complain. Right. Um, well, I do plan on joining their Patreon to listen to their top 10 show, so nice. I will. I mean, I am, 22 Shots is on their Patreon, but I think we're like, un, it's only like a dollar or something. I think you need three to listen. Yeah. But. I mean, it ain't about the money. Like, I'll I'll throw them. I I believe in supporting your favorite creators, but I just don't listen to podcasts like I used to. So I just haven't got around to putting the effort in. But either way, um, still one of my all-time favorite shows is Exploding Heads. Those guys are great. Um, yeah. Great chemistry. Amazing show. Oh yeah. Um, then I watched The Beach House 2019 which is about this couple that goes to a little beach house and uh there's actually another couple there like an older couple they smoke some weed and stuff and uh it seems like it's like an eco horror and i actually like this movie more the more that i thought about it i thought the third act was a little weak but then after i was thinking about the third act a little bit i was like no it was actually pretty good um but i think i was just expecting more body horror like the scene with the girl's foot and that doesn't really happen as much anymore. But yeah, I thought it was a pretty dang good movie. Uh, the body the body horror with the foot really worked on me. Mm-hmm. I gave that 7.5 out of 10. Nice. And then I watched uh, Leap of Faith, William Freakin on The Exorcist, which is a Shudder original. And this is basically a sit-down interview with Freakin talking about The Exorcist for like an hour and 40 minutes. Right, yes. <laughs> That's all it is. They show clips of the movie and stuff. But I thought it was pretty great. Like, it was phenomenal. It may, I already appreciate The Exorcist, but like it made me appreciate it so much more because of how much heart and soul Friedkin put into that film. Mm-hmm. Like, he would not be denied. It was such a big movie to him and, like, an important movie. And one of my favorite parts is when he tells the story of how he wanted the film scored... And he went to the legendary Bernard Herrmann, of course, who scored Psycho and a million other movies. I mean, tons of movies. One of my favorites of his is Twisted Nerve. If you've ever seen Kill Bill, you're familiar with the 
the whistle, the doo 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 doo. I don't know how it goes, but you know. Um, Never mind. Go yeah, on. You kind of almost had it, but yeah, yeah. that uh, that whistle that's uh, from a movie called Twist and Nerve, which is a phenomenal right. movie from 1968, and uh, he talks about how he basically pretty much fired Bernard Herman from the movie, like. Or he was going to hire him, and he was like, "No, nah, never mind. You're not. You don't have this right." And he talked. Yeah, to, he like consulted with him, and then he was like, "Well, it was nice to meet you." And then he just like walked away. Yeah, and then they talked about um, how Stacy Keach was originally the preacher, mm. but they had to fire Stacy Keach, and it was pretty crazy, man. It reminded me of um, Stanley Kubrick when he originally hired um, the, a guy to play. Uh, Gunnery Sergeant Hartman, which is played by the late great R. Lee Army, and how they had to basically fire the guy they had on that film for. I think they had they had him waste like six months of his career, and he like shaved his head and stuff. <laughs> uh, it was like a huge deal. <laughs> like they, oh, it was like a huge screw up. But Why would they fire him? Because Arlie Ermey kept hounding Kubrick about the role because Arlie Ermey was hired as a military advisor on the film to make sure things were like, you know, accurate to how the military really is. Because Arlie Ermey is actually military. You know, he was, uh -huh. he, I think he was a drill instructor. And yeah. he um, kept hounding Kubrick about doing the film. And Kubrick was like, well, we already have somebody. We already have someone. And then Q, uh, um, Arlie Army would do stand-ins for the actor they hired. The actor they hired, by the way, is the machine gunner, um, because they gave him a part, a smaller part in the film. He's the machine gunner that's like, uh, you know, how can you shoot women and children? And he's like, you just don't need them that much. A <laughs> war help that guy. Right, that guy. Yes. Yeah, I think that's him who originally was the the drill instructor but they essentially uh was doing table reads in like rehearsals and they just had arlie army step in for the part when the actor wasn't there and kubrick was just like wow he's like really good you know what i mean and basically just hired him and uh it was like i think there was even a lawsuit or something and like kubrick even gave like sent the guy a, or basically sent his assistant to tell the guy he wasn't getting the part and that even made the guy more mad because he was like you couldn't you didn't even have the balls to tell me yourself and stuff and it was like a huge deal but those those elite filmmakers who have that kind of budget man they just make things perfect and that's why some of the greatest films of all time like the shining and um full metal jacket and the exorcist are just they're they, they just direct the hell out of those movies you know in every aspect but Leap of Faith was a really cool thing. Uh, I really liked that. And it, it was highly entertaining for Friedkin to just be sitting there talking about the movie. Mm -hmm. I think what I liked most was that he sounded just as enthused about the movie as probably when he just made it. And it had been, what, like 40 years or something? 50? I don't yeah. even know. Yeah. Long time. Yeah. Um, okay, then I, oh, I gave that an 8.5 out of 10. Great documentary. A lot of good documentaries this year. Yeah. And then I watched A Good Woman is Hard to Find from 19, uh, coming out in 2020. 
this is a movie about a um, Irish woman who is a widow and she has two young children. Uh, she's struggling and she lives in a dangerous neighborhood where her husband was murdered and she basically has a run-in with a hood drug dealer from there. Uh, I really like this movie. I, I, I can see some convolutedness in the plot and a few um, things that may be a little bit too much of a coincidence to play out like that. But mm. at the same time, I just was enthralled in this lead's performance, Sarah Bulger. I thought she was amazing. Um, one of my favorite performances of the year for sure. Not 100% sure if it's horror. There is like a few scenes in it that are pretty dark, but yeah. I gave that an 8 out of 10. Then I watched Blood Vessel from 2019. This was a, a Nazi film set on a boat um, during World War II um, involving vampires. I honestly couldn't really get into this one that much. I found it pretty disappointing we were actually going to cover this like months and months ago on the show and i decided against it um but i thought the the actual like film was a bit dark too it was hard to see stuff um but it could have just been me i don't know maybe i watched it on a tablet so it could have been like my brightness or something on shutter but yeah this is a shutter exclusive uh one of the weaker ones i've seen this year i gave it a six out of ten I see. Then I watched Home Alone from the year 1990. How many have you watched? A lot. I watched Home Alone from the year 1990. Um, basically, a kid is left home alone while his family fly to Paris, and they're kind of stuck there. And there's these two criminals um, who are robbing houses nearby because they're, you know, kind of wealthy and everybody's on vacation. Who? Why do all these people go on vacation on Christmas? Um, I don't know, buddy. They, uh, they're probably bored with presents, so they're like, let's just go to Paris. Yeah. Because they're rich. And, uh, it, it stars Macaulay Culkin. I hate that name. <laughs> Stupid. Um, but yeah, uh, Joe Pesci and Daniel Stern play the criminals. I mean, everybody knows this film. It's amazing. I absolutely love it. I, I, it, dude, Joe Pesci is just great in this one. Like, he's just like, snakes, snakes. I don't, I don't, I don't know no snakes. <laughs> like, just his acting and, uh, like, th them getting hurt and stuff. It's slapstick. It's works. It's just so fun. I give it a 10 out of 10. It's an absolute classic. Then I watched Spiral from 2020, which is a Shutter exclusive. Uh, this one follows a husband and husband. Uh, along with the daughter and stepdaughter uh, move into a new area and it's set, I think is it in the 90s I think it might be yeah I think it's set in the 90s or something and there may or may not be like a cult next door uh, it deals with some you know prejudice and stuff like that against the gay community and and um, gay mm, husbands I guess and uh i thought it was really good i i really got on board with the lead um mm. who is also not only gay but also a minority uh they don't really play on the minority angle too much but i'm sure that that's even harder and uh yeah i i don't know i i really got on board with this one i really liked it um you've seen this right 
Yeah, I watched that one uh, about a week ago or so, and um, I thought it was pretty good too. Um, so it kind of lost steam for me a little bit towards the end, but I, I, I enjoyed I it. I really liked the uh, main characters in it. Yeah, I think I like the whole gay aspect and how right, that kind of played That's into it like. all. That's what I liked about it most. Um, but I think the story itself is a bit standard and e- even a mm-hmm. little bit, you kind of poke holes in it a little bit. And I thought the daughter was a complete moron. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. and then I watched Home Alone 2 with you Yes. and it was awesome. I, I, I think that it's just nearly as good as the first one. The only thing that is, I guess, a little bit wrong with it um if you want it's not wrong it's just different and that is that it's a lot more over the top mm-hmm. like even when daniel stern is getting electrocuted like you literally see a skeleton at one point right. <laughs> and it's like i don't think that's how that works but um if they joe pesci and daniel stern really go for it in this one i actually think in the first one joe pesci completely outshines daniel stern i think in this one daniel stern outshines joe pesci yeah, it's actually been a while since I've even seen the original Home Alone, because uh, these were, like, some of my favorites growing up as well. But uh, I kind of want to go back and revisit the first one to compare it to this, because I feel like I forget a lot about it. But, yeah, yeah, I, I've always liked, I think I've always liked Part 2 a little bit more. Yeah, it's it's more fun in terms of just, like, more happens. Um, when I was a kid, the, uh, you know traps and like that whole sequence at the end like the climax in the movie always felt so long to me and like epic and watching Mm -hmm. the original one like not as much happens as i thought Mm -hmm. yeah i could see that um okay i gave that a 9.5 out of 10 then i watched his house from 2020 this is about these um immigrants from or actually the refugees from i were they from south africa uh yes i believe so um they're in the uk i was actually surprised this wasn't set in america considering our like um constant topic of immigration and stuff like that but it's Mm -hmm. set in in the uk i believe and these people are seeking asylum and they're putting this uh sort of I guess like almost like halfway house thing it's like a thing where like they have to live there while they go through their case and uh stuff like that and there there starts being some creepy stuff happening there it also has to do with their daughter who died and uh yeah I really like this one I thought it was creepy the fish out of water aspect um really works and uh one of my favorite scenes is when the woman is looking for a certain place and she's like on on the streets and she comes across these like hood kids who are like making fun of her and stuff like that of how she pronounces Mm -hmm. pronounces words meanwhile they they have these thick british accents and sound like morons um but it was it was funny it was funny i was listening to dave review this on his show and he's like i love how people who uh, no one language or making fun of people who are on like their third language on how on on their broken uh, accents on their third language <laughs> you know what I mean <laughs> yeah <laughs> it's like They're you can only speak one language and you're giving this person who's like 
learn two or three different languages shit and I'm like it's so true right <laughs> mm-hmm. um, but yeah I, I love that scene overall I thought it was a really solid 2020 movie I gave it an 8 out of 10 yeah I like that one too then I watched Tales of the Uncanny from 2020. This is a documentary put out by Severn Films, and it is a in-house production. It originally was going to be a special feature for their in-house uh, anthology film, The Theater Bazaar, which came out, I think, like a decade ago. Um, I actually bought that at Walmart when it came out and watched it and thought it was pretty good. Uh, but they made a documentary. They were originally just going to make it as a special feature for that release, but it ended up turning into a full-blown documentary after doing a bunch of Zoom interviews during quarantine. So most of these interviews are conducted off of Zoom, and they vary in quality of um, clearness and also um, the audio. But they did manage to... I assume cut any major glitches and, and audio troubles because it does play pretty seamlessly, but you could tell that some of the, some of them are a little bit stuttery and stuff like that. But yeah, they basically go through the history of anthology films all the way dating back to 1919, where I believe the first anthology film came out all the way up into semi present day. And they spend a lot of time in the early stuff from like the 50s and 60s and uh, the amicus films of the 70s. And then uh, they briefly touch on the 80s and 90s and uh, like stuff like Trick or Treat. And they also talk about the uh, TV shows like Tales from the Dark Side and and Tales from the Crypt and stuff like that. But they 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 gloss over a lot of stuff i wish they actually spent more time on certain titles like they mentioned tales from the hood and i'm like there's so much to talk about tales from the hood and they give it about a minute of time i see but it's overall really solid and engaging and entertaining and there was a few in there that i had never seen that i really want to see uh specifically Mario Bava's Black or or yeah sorry Black Sabbath which seems frankly amazing. Yeah. I think you like it looked so scary. Oh. Okay. Yeah, the one segment is about a woman who is like taking care of a woman who dies and she steals her jewelry or something like that and it is creepy looking. Ooh. But uh of course they hit all the major ones. Creep Show, Trilogy of Terror, um, the one from the way back in the day, I think it's black and white with the ventriloquist dummy, which I think it might have the first ever killer doll film. Um, but yeah, mm. it's it's pretty good. I gave it an 8 out of 10. Um, and then I watched Mystics in Bali from... I don't know, 1970 or wait, sorry, I don't have these logged yet, so I have to look them up. Um, Mystics in Bali is a film about a, a woman who go. It's 1981. Who goes and visits a witch in the woods? It is an uh, Indonesian horror film. I think one, like one of the first, if not the first. And it is about a woman who goes and meets a witch. The witch, like, curses her. And then the woman's head comes out of her body with all the organs attached to it. And it flies around. And uh, there's one scene where the head actually 
uh, goes into a hospital or uh, a room where a woman's given birth and um, sucks the baby fetus out of her and like presumably eats it or drinks its blood. What? Yeah, the floating head. Oh. Yeah, it it's pretty crazy. Weird, buddy. It's weird. It's crazy. It's it's freaky. Reminded me of 1977's House a little bit, the Japanese film, with uh, just like the weirdness and some of the effects and stuff like that. It was pretty. Uh, it was pretty cool. I, I really liked it. I gave it like a seven out of ten. Uh, and then I watched Darkness from 1993 this is a vampire film shot on super 8 uh, with a five thousand dollar budget this is a movie that is actually pretty good considering it's mostly a gore fest the plot's super lacking and stuff arrow video is supposed to actually do a release of this they announced it like two years ago and it still hasn't came out but yeah it's a it's a pretty cool movie it's heavily out of print now it kind of was one of those directed video films that came out along the lines of like a shot on video film but it was shot on film uh but it was super eight so uh, a, a much smaller film uh quality and stock and stuff but yeah i thought it was pretty good um it's it's a fun do-it-yourself film with just a, I, I think the guy who made it started writing it when he was 17 and shot some of it uh, and then scrapped it and came back when he was 18 with a budget of $5,000 and finished the movie. And it's like, it makes you happy to see like somebody just go out there and make a movie, you know, that actually is all right. Yes. So I gave that like a 6.5 out of 10. Um, and then I watched The Swerve from the year 2020. And uh, this is a movie about a woman who's a teacher and she basically is... It's a weird movie. She's basically um, having a mental breakdown over over the course of the movie, and mm. things happen to her, and she does things. And it's it's. At first, I was like, "This is not a horror movie," but by the end, I could see the argument for it being a horror movie. Um, by yeah. the end, so yeah, it's it's one of those weird movies where it's like, where does it fit? It doesn't really fit in a genre like maybe drama at first but then you're like man it's like a dark drama but then at the end you're like ah, it might be darker than most dramas so where do you really put it it's kind of one of those i don't know where mm -hmm. to put it movies so a lot of those movies sometimes you just get lumped into horror because there's nowhere else to put it um but yeah i thought this was a really good movie one of the better female performances i've seen this year i would put it up there with uh as probably the best or the second best uh the the lead in the film um even her physical transformation the dark circles under her eyes and stuff like that get really bad throughout the film and uh yeah. you're not really sure we don't get a ton of backstory on her other than the fact that she may have been overweight at one point mm. but we don't really get a lot on her on like why she's this way right right but it makes you interested so yeah, yeah. Uh, i really like that one i gave it an 8.5 out of 10 and then the final film that i watched is rent a pal from 2020 and this is one that i thought was going to be weak based on the title mm -hmm. i kind of avoided this one based on the title it just sounded stupid to me i pictured a robot yeah 
And, uh, I, but I kept seeing it on everybody's list, so I was like, I guess I gotta watch it. And it's not a robot film at all. Uh, it's about this guy who's caring for his mother with dementia or Alzheimer's. And he is, it's set in the 90s, and he's trying to date using one of those, like, video package, uh, it's called Video Rendezvous, where you send in, like, a video tape, and they try to match you with somebody, and he finds this tape called rent a pal at the pl- at the video rendezvous place where it's basically a guy on camera and he's talking to you as if he's talking to you and he's he just throws it in at first and he's kind of casually watching it and then he starts casually responding to it and then um obviously with a tape like that it's timed so they'll be like how was your day today and then they'll pause and then let you talk about it but obviously some people's story is going to be longer some people's story is going to be shorter so if you're if you if if you're one of the longer ones it'll cut in and be like oh that's crazy you know what i mean while you're still talking (laughs) and the lead does like a phenomenal job of how he uh participates in this thing like at first he like is kind of almost scoffing at it like oh this like clearly this is like you know he knows what it is kind of but then he starts Mm -hmm. buying into it and he actually starts maneuvering his responses to be timed correctly and i thought that was the most brilliant aspect of it and one of the first examples of this is when they play go fish and the dude's like the dude on the tape's like you got any fours and he's like no go fish and he's like oh awesome two fours (laughs) and the dude looks down at his hand and he's like it's like this subtle awkward like give in moment where he sits down a five and just pretends it's a four and that scene alone basically dictates the rest of the film that scene is so brilliant i thought that scene was genius because Mm -hmm. it shows him set down his guard completely on this tape and and completely rock with it at that point and boy i i thought this movie was pretty incredible i think it's definitely one of the best films of the year but i didn't really like it that much if that makes sense and the reason is is because it's very mean-spirited to me which is Mm -hmm. normally not a problem but the subject matter of this film with the mother and stuff is a bit hard for me right now um it's a bit close to home presently so it really it really bugged me in like sort of an unhealthy way yeah so that was my biggest gripe with it and it was all just personal so i do think the movie is is a great movie it was just a little hard for me to watch Mm -hmm. but i gave that one a i'm at an 8.5 but i could go to a nine it really did blow me away kind of nice nice and that is all the films I watched. Do you want to talk about your blind spot? We'll do the blind spots together. Okay. All right. Uh, hi, guys. Remember me? I'm Carly. Um, so I shall talk about myself now. Um, okay. So first up, I watched The Deeper You Dig on Shudder 2019. Um, and this movie was basically about... You have this mom and this daughter at the beginning, and uh, the mom's like a psychic, and her daughter's kind of, you know, 
little bit gothy, uh, wear stark lipstick and stuff, and you see they have a really good relationship. Um, and basically, like, at the start of the film, like, right off the bat, the daughter ends up dying, and uh, this guy is responsible for it, and he's trying to hide the fact that he did it because he's, uh, you see that he's um, got some alcohol problems and uh he's trying to fix up this house they kind of live in the middle of nowhere and uh you know he doesn't want anyone to find out that he's responsible for it uh the mother of course is looking for the daughter and keeps coming around and the guy uh starts getting haunted by uh just visions of the daughter and he's unsure if it's all in his head or if it's real or what and that's kind of like how the story goes um I really dug this movie. I'm pretty sure this was like a low budget film. Um, what is it? The Deeper You Dig. Oh yeah, I saw this last year. Yeah. What did did you like it? Mm, I thought it was okay. Oh okay. Well, I thought it was really good. Um, up until like the, I would say final parts, the ending, I kind of felt like it fell apart a little bit, and it wasn't making much sense. Like I didn't really understand what all they were trying to do there but for what it was i thought it was good like i thought the beginning portions were very eerie um the setting is creepy it's kind of winter time and uh like i said the middle of nowhere they kind of live off the grid like in the woods um and i really enjoyed like the main actors uh like the mom and the guy involved so uh all in all i i i liked it quite a bit i gave it like an eight out of ten so um really enjoyed that then after that on shutter as well i watched lie the rona from 2019 um and this movie was a, it's a spanish film uh so it was uh subtitled yeah it was subtitled um and it was about this guy who is i believe being charged uh for war crimes he's like a war criminal and he's also like very sick i believe he's terminally ill and his family takes him to this house and they're trying to protect him because all these people are just pissed off and hate him for the crimes that they think he did um and they're outside his house like in an angry mob and the family's just trying to be protected in this place and then uh the guy starts to think that the ghost of la Llorona is coming to get him and that's kind of the thing um yeah, I was pretty bored by this movie, honestly. Uh, there's not a whole lot of horror until, like, How many more did towards you the watch? end. Buddy! <laughs> what? You watched literally 55. <laughs> I counted, it was 55. Shut up. <laughs> anyway, why, Yorona? I do not recommend this move. I thought it was quite boring. And, uh, like I said, it doesn't really get um, very creepier. I thought it was going to be creepy, but it really doesn't get anything like that until closer to the end and at that point I just don't care anymore so that was that then after that I watched a movie called Spontaneous from 2020 uh and this is one I did not know about at all uh David Parker actually Dave Parker actually messaged me on Facebook and said hey I'm watching this movie right now I think you will really like it um because you liked Knives and Skin last year I feel like you would enjoy it so um I was like okay I'll give it a shot and I googled it and I thought, this movie looks kind of cringe. I don't know if I'm going to like this or not, but I don't think he would steer me astray. And I watched it and I was not disappointed at all. Um, it's essentially like a coming of age black comedy 
about these students, the senior class, and one day out of nowhere, they just start spontaneously combusting. <laughs> and they don't know why, and they have to get all these tests done on them to try to like make up a medicine to make this stop happening. But it just kind of starts happening out of nowhere randomly, and it's only the senior class, so they think they have like this curse. And uh, meanwhile, you have your main girl, uh, which is the girl from Knives Out, and uh, what else? She played in one other of oh, that Avengers movie last year, too. So um, she's been in some things, but it's her and this boy. You kind of have this relationship. You're following with them throughout it, and... Uh, I could see some people like maybe grown. I like I I feel like you would like it, JP JPig, but at the same time I don't know if you would find it cringe. I'm not too sure, so I'm curious to see what you'll think of this. But I really dug it. Um, I found that it kind of was. It's like a horror comedy at first, and it's pretty bloody. And then like there's a halfway point where it gets super depressing too. So I thought that was really cool. Um, and it, I felt like it had a good message to it as well. So, all in all, just a great movie. I gave that a 9.5 out of 10. <clears throat> So, after that, I watched Krampus, as we talked about, uh, from 2015. And, of course, this is about a family that is getting together for Christmas. And uh, they all basically hate each other, as some families do. They kind of just put on an act and, you know, they're getting ready for the holidays, but they don't really want to. Um, The, you know, uncle and aunts come over and they're kind of just annoying, have very different ideals than the... uh, other ones and uh, their kids are a little bit annoying they don't all get along so the son in the one family makes writes a letter to santa claus wanting his family to be normal and happy and uh he gets made fun of it for it so he ends up throwing the letter out the window and says something like he wishes his family would go away or something bad like to that extent and krampus comes and attacks because he is mad that that happened uh, yeah, this movie is one that has grown on me. Uh, I think it's but he uh, hates pretty. Krampus. Shut up! I hate when people say that. Krampus. I don't care if that's how it's said. Oh, but you care how? Don't say it. How? No. How? Krampus. Stop. How? What are you saying? I forgot what I said earlier that you was criticizing. No, me don't on. say. Yeah, I care about that too. Like, what, was what, that you... that... what was that called? What was that called? Nothing, but that's not... So, what was I saying? What like, did I... You're making what, it sound like I don't I care say? about this, but I what care I about say? that. What I don't want to say it. It's going to cringe me. What did I say? You know what you said. No, I didn't. I forget. Think about the one word in your life that you say wrong. <laughs> I don't say any words wrong. Vul- vulnerable. You said it wrong. It's vulnerable. Stop! <laughs> Dude, I hate it so much. Vulnerable. Stop it, buddy. There's no bone. Vulnerable. Stop, how you... Stop it. Stop! But that didn't even make sense what you said. I'm saying Krampus does bother me, and you made it sound like, oh, but you had a problem with this, and you don't have a problem with this. I do. I'm saying you're I saying Kr- you're saying Krampus wrong. But people say Krampus. People say vulnerable. No, they don't. You're the only person <laughs> I've ever heard say it. That's why I cringe. I swear. I promise. But anyway, Krampus. Um, Krampus. pretty good Christmas move. Uh, good atmosphere. Um. Good characters. Feels like a whore hair Christmas vacation at first. Whore hair is wrong too. Buddy, that's a joke. That's different. Okay. Okay. Vulnerable is a joke. Buddy, please. I'm trying to get through this pod. Alright? I gotta wrap your presents or else I'm not wrapping them. Okay, put your thing on mute and wrap them right now. No. Please. 
Okay. Anyway, so Krampus is a good movie. I gave a uh, what do I give it? I gave it an eight out of ten. Good film. Um, then after that, I watched The Pale Door, which just uh, got on Shutter recently. I think like within last week. Uh, another 2020 movie. Um, and this one sounded cool to me. It was a western film where these cowboys get wound up with a bunch of witches. Sounds cool, right? Wrong. Uh, I thought this movie was pretty paint by numbers and generic and just not at all what I thought it was going to be. I thought it was going to be a very atmospheric type of film. It, it sounded like it would be something like The Witch, um, which I know sounds weird that I would be excited for a movie like this since I hate on period pieces, but I've been just in that mood for that creepy, eerie vibe lately and it sounded right up my alley, but I just was not really into this one at all. Um, I, I could see some people maybe finding it a little bit entertaining, but it just wasn't like I said, to me, it was rather generic, even with, like, the plot. It sounds like it would be cool. So I only gave that, like, a four out of ten. Uh, maybe four and a half, I forget. But pretty low on the list there. Um, then after that, I watched Spree from 2020. Um, this is one I had forgotten about. I remember people kind of giving it a lot of buzz, uh, probably, you know, mid-year. Um, and I just, I saw someone post about it the other day, and I was like, oh, yeah, I gotta watch that. So I checked it out, and... Uh, this one is about a kid who, or, like, some guy in his, like, 20s who desperately wants to become famous on YouTube and just the internet in general. He wants to go viral and be a big deal, like all these other people. Um, and he sees that this kid that he used to babysit, I believe, uh, has become viral and uh, a big deal on the internet, and he's very jealous, so... He's like, man, I gotta do something to try to up my stuff. So he joins uh, Spree, which is basically a fictional version of Uber or Lyft. Um, and he becomes a driver, sets up his camera, and is doing these live streams. And uh, in his live streams, he is killing his people, his customers that get into his car. And uh, the only person watching, though, is the kid that's he used to babysit and he's kind of saying like, huh, weak and saying like, oh, all the stuff you're doing is fake and you're boring and it's making the guy pissed off and he starts getting more motivated to do more and more crazy stuff and stuff kind of spirals out of control. Yeah, I thought this movie quite a bit. Uh, it, it, was, it was honestly really cringe because it just really highlights how people are today with wanting to be famous so bad on the internet and stuff and just hit the big time. Particularly, there's this part where he has a run with this comedian who got big on YouTube, I believe, and uh, she, you see her doing live streams on Instagram, like, she's, like, with her grandma, and she's like, I'm with my grandma, I love her so much, and, like, blah, 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 and then the whole movie, too, you're seeing actual live chat going on, like, on her chat and stuff, and you just see people say, like, cringe, or, like, she ain't doing this, though, or, like, you know faggots just like saying insults and stuff like that and it's like super cringe because it's very realistic to life so overall i thought it was a good movie i gave that one an eight out of ten as well and then after that i watched a good woman is hard to dick um 2019 that is the movie you watched as well so i won't give the snops but uh i really enjoyed it i like the main character and uh what movie a good woman is hard to dick fine <laughs> it, it, no it, you're right yeah, yeah, I was right. When's the long title? I feel like I have to say dick. Um, but, yeah, I like this one. Uh, I would definitely say it's more 
thriller, almost like crime thriller vibe to it than horror, but it does have like one horrific moment in particular that's super bloody and really grossed me out and kind of got under my skin. So uh, for that, I would definitely count it uh, if I was making a list. Plus it's on Shudder and Shudder makes horror horror movies. Um, But I enjoyed it. I I really enjoyed this one. I think I gave this an 8.5 out of 10. Then after that, I watched Cadaver 2020 on Netflix. Uh, Had a cool plot. You know, these people are devastated by um, something happens to their town. Forget exactly what it is, but uh, some sort of natural, some sort of disaster hits them. So they're all sort of starving to death and just surviving, not really living um, and trying to get by. Then they get proposed by this group to come to this dinner and participate in this like theatrical experience and uh you know they could have this big reward at the end but it turns out to be a little more realistic than what they bargained for and things kind of go from there uh I was into it at first and then I got rather bored by it um just I don't know I just wasn't super sucked into this one as I thought I would have been based on the plot synopsis um maybe it's my fault for maybe I just wasn't paying attention or something, but I just didn't really care for it. I thought it was very average. I gave that like a five out of 10. Then after that, I watched, I took a break from 2020 moves. As you see, I've done very well. And I watched uh, Silent Night, Deadly Night 2, 1987. Um, watching with the Joe Bob thing. Uh, and I just felt like watching it. I felt like watching Silent Night, Deadly Night, honestly. Um, the other day I was at a, uh, friends gather and get together for Christmas and we were watching uh, on YouTube a kill count thing for Silent Night Deadly Night and then we put on the one for part two and it got me really wanting to revisit one of the movies so I figured Silent Night Deadly Night 2 kills two birds with one stone you get the first movie and then you get a horrible laughable other movie Um, so yeah it's really entertaining I mean Eric Freeman his character is Ricky is just it, it makes you laugh every time. It never gets old. Uh, he's just so over dramatic with every single line. What did Joe Bob say? What did he say? Yeah. About what? You told me he said something really funny. Um, about dude, the yeah. dude. Uh, oh, oh God, what did he say? You said what did it, he say? buddy. You told me. When did I say it? <laughs> you Weird. said about um. What what the uh, movie's about? What the movie's about? It is about. <laughs> Dude, come on! You just you mean, told me. You mean this. the flashback stuff? Yeah, whatever he said oh, yeah, about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He said he was like talking about. He was like, okay, so you know, um, there, you know, as the movie goes on, it was like halfway through the film. He's like, you're getting these uh, flashbacks. Oh no, no. He says like, anytime someone gets their shirt ripped off in this film. It triggers these flashbacks to Rip Ricky. Then he's like, oh, no, I'm sorry. Um, It causes him to go into the mind of Billy, his brother, and trigger those horrible flashbacks of when he saw his mother get raped because Ricky was a baby and couldn't see that happen. Yeah, that was funny. I forget how he worded it exactly, yeah. but it was you like, oh, no, I'm sorry. You worded better the first time, but yeah, I get the point. Oh, thanks. Uh, <laughs> yeah, garbage day. Good move. Garbage really good day. Move. I rate it. It's 
impossible to really rate this movie. I give it like an 8 out of 10 for my own enjoyment. It's been reality. It's like a 2 out of 10 because it's a horrible, Yeah, I think I gave it a 2.5 when I first seen it, but I'm at like a 7 now. Yeah, like... It's it's great in all the... Like, honestly, like... It's just so much fun. Yeah. I love it. I just, like, (laughs) his eyebrows and just going too fast for you doc like everything he says is like smart ass and like so stupid this movie was made because the editor um the the rights got bought by like Lionsgate or somebody i don't remember and Mm -hmm. the they wanted there was an editor working for the studio and they're like hey can you make uh we got the rights to silent night deadly night can you re-edit it and make it a new movie and Mm -hmm. the editor's like no he's like no matter what i do it's still gonna be the same movie and He's like, but if you give me, you know, $200,000, I'll go shoot a movie, a short movie, and I'll edit flashbacks into it or whatever, you know? So that was the concept behind Silent Night, Deadly Night Part 2. I thought it was fun. <laughs> My favorite part of it is when you're seeing parts of Silent Night, Deadly Night 1, and, like, it'll be, it'll be Billy, the part where he's, like, walking on the road, and it's like, oh, they thought they caught him. And it shows that whole scene where they go to the wrong house and they it's the dad going up into the window and they're like, but Billy was always ahead of the game. He knew those roads like the back of his hand. He knew exactly where he was going. Like just <laughs> the dumbest stuff. Like you would not know any of this. Right. Um, and also Joe Bob said that the cemetery where the uh, stepfather, uh, Ricky's, you know, stepfather, when he dies, that cemetery is the same one filmed in Halloween with Judith Myers. So I thought that was kind of... That's cool. But anyway, uh, uh, after that, uh, I watched Random Acts of Violence on Shudder 2019. um, And I'd heard pretty good things about this one. That's on Shudder? Yes. Did not know that. Yes. Um, Yeah, uh, this one, only an hour and 20 minutes, too. Uh, It was pretty pretty fast uh, pace moved and oddly enough there's a girl in it who played in that movie Haunting Sarah as Sarah as a little kid which is a 2005 Hallmark movie that I watched for Survive 05 and I thought that was very strange and coincidental but she's playing in this movie as an adult but anyway the plot with this is uh, this guy writes like these graphic comic books and um there's essentially a killer going around mimicking the deaths that are in the comic books. And uh, they kind of catch on to it. It's this guy and, you know, his girlfriend and some of the people who help him make the comic books. And uh, they feel responsible and everything. And they're trying to figure out, like, what the dude's next move is. Because um, he'll, like, write, he'll, like, call and leave these cryptic messages. Like, he'll be like, 1, 25, 32. And they're like, what does that mean? Uh, I thought it was decent uh really pretty good honestly uh like i said it's fast paced uh it kind of gets to the points um there's like one scene in particular i actually thought was really scary uh the killer is just a scary killer Uh, he's very um animated and just whacked and like he's like the kind who's gonna run at you and just stab you to death and i thought it was uh really effective with that Mm -hmm. i almost wish there was more kills in the move what was that nothing What, what was that nothing all right anyway um but it was a cool movie it was pretty uh bloody and graphic at times and uh 
The ending I wasn't so sure about. I was kind of like, ah, I don't know if I like that or not. Uh, but other than that, it, I thought it was fun. I gave that an 8 out of 10 as well. And then after that, I watched a creep show holiday special. I just watched oh, that. Oh, I watched that too. I totally forgot about that. Oh, yeah, you did. I forgot to even say anything. But yeah, 2020, just watched that earlier today. Only like 45 minutes and it's only one, uh, you know, thing. I love the creeper, the, like the story. creeper guy. What? You said one thing. I said story. Oh, yes. Whatever, dude. I love the creeper guy, like, uh, you know, at the beginning and mm -hmm. the end and how they incorporate him throughout the show. So I think he's like really creepy looking. But the story itself, I thought was, uh, it was fun. It was entertaining, you know, um, about these people who all meet up at this sort of meeting because they all find out that they have the ability to transform into some sort of animal. And uh, so they're in like this sort of group. Dexter, stop Please. burping on the mic. Sorry, buddy, my dog. Please? My dog was burping. No, buddy, that sounded like your voice and a human burp, and dogs don't do that. Uh, but anyway, uh, I thought it was pretty fun. Um, I feel like you probably liked it a little bit more than me, but it was a little out there. I really the same as you. I gave it a seven. Oh, really? Okay, cool. Yeah, yeah. it was. It, it was like an in and out type of thing. There I thought was like it was super funny. It was really funny yeah. to me. That's what I really liked about it. I thought it was really funny at the end that like the black girl making that wish and then yep <laughs> like the wish that was like my favorite I was like, part. Yo, <laughs> it was so funny. Yeah, that but, was funny. Um, yeah, so it's just a it was just a fun little short. Um, like I said, seven out of ten. We both give it seven out of ten. And then finally, I watched Gremlins uh, at that little friend miss thing that I went to. Um, it's and... friends miss. No, it's friend miss. No friends miss. No, that's uh thanks. Friendsgiving? Friendsgiving, yes. Because Friends, thanks has an S and Friends has an S. But Chris, friend. <laughs> Dude, shut up. We have it, it on the good page. It's called fucking friend. Oh, I'm sorry. I F-bombed. It's called Friendmas. Friends no. But anyway, I went to that gathering. It was a nice time. It was nice to see some friends. And I got a Pop Funko of, uh, and an advent calendar that was, uh, bath bombs from my secret santa and a pop figure of the pet cemetery gauge and the cat so i thought that was cool. church. church church i said it church. um but uh, anyway gremlins is a great move it's a classic christmas horror move uh good move for all ages uh recommend eight out of ten great move cool um okay so let's get into our blind spots uh i shall go first we watched Christmas Express. No! Get it! <laughs> Polar Express. I forgot the name of the move. Are you kidding? Like, was that a joke? Was that to be funny? Was that to be cute on the show? Like, what was that? Hello? Are you there? Yeah, I'm here. What is funny? I want to know what's. <laughs> I would like to laugh too. I haven't laughed very much today. Please let me in on the joke when you're ready. <laughs> I watched Polar Express. Uh-huh. With you. Yeah, we watched it from 2004. From 2004. It's about this kid who doesn't believe in Santa Claus. 
and he a train comes out in the middle of the night and picks him up and there's all these other kids on it and just take him to the North Pole and it's an adventure. You made it sound lame. I think the plot sounds lame, buddy. I guess, but you didn't have to say a train. You could have said the Polar Express. Um, it's a train. Okay, what did you think of it, Ben? I really liked it. I thought that it had good heart, especially by the end. It actually made me, like, warm feeling inside at the very end, the narration. And then, um, I thought that the animation may have been a little dated. Um, it looked like a video game. It really did. Uh, but I bet at the time it looked, like, phenomenal. I think that's why they do so many of those train sequences, like, on top of the train where it's, like, going down crazy hills and stuff that was probably really thrilling back in 2004 dude i'm not even kidding like when i first saw the movie i was like wow this looks like these characters look like human this doesn't yeah. even look animated but now I, I i agree with that i do think it's a super dated and that's like my one thing with the movie but yeah this movie is very nostalgic for me and it's one that i've always loved yeah so i'm glad you liked it i did like it you thought that i didn't but i did i did like it it's a good movie um, it didn't blow me away, but I could see, like, if you saw this when you were growing up, like, it, it would be a classic, you know? But I didn't have that nostalgia for it. I just, I've always been interested in seeing it. I always liked the cover. I think that the cover looks, like, incredibly atmospheric. Mm-hmm. I don't think the movie necessarily captured that cold, like, feeling that I was hoping for. Well, buddy, the ghostly thing was always creepy to me. Yeah. Um, but Tom Hanks is in it. Mm-hmm. He plays like every character. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's a pretty cool movie though. I gave it a seven and a half out of ten. Oh. What'd you Yeah. Give it? I give it an eight point five. Now back in the day I would probably like give it a ten, but I think the animation being dated now like kind of takes it down a few notches for me. Just because that was like a huge thing back then and I was just like, oh wow, this is that's what I thought was so great, but um, I do like that it looks like a video game. I wonder if there is a video game of this move. There should be. No, but I saw but, a book today at Walmart. Yeah, and I had that book when I was I did too. A kid. Didn't realize it until I saw the book. Oh, really? Yep, definitely had that when I was a kid. Yeah, I was happy to see when you posted about it that like moods and some other people were like 10 out of 10. Yeah. Like, I thought that was cool, because I didn't, I wasn't sure if, like, everyone else kind of felt the same way, or if it's, like, a lame movie to some people, but... I think I'd, I I've known Moods liked it a lot. Mm. And what well, about cool. you? Alright, well, I'm just gonna say I watched this, like, over a week ago now, uh, but my blind spot was the never-ending story from, I think, 1989, no, 87, I don't know. I don't know what year that came out. Hold on. Um, it was The Never-Ending Story, which is a fantasy move. That you hated. I didn't hate 1984. Okay. Um, no, it's a fantasy move, and it's... Well, it's basically about uh, this kid, um, kind of a weird kid, and he finds this book called... The never-ending story, and I believe his pap is kind of like, or his dad, pap, I think it's his pap, is kind of like, no, you shouldn't read this because it's like a little too much for you, but the kid's like, screw you, pap, I shall read it. And then he starts reading it, and uh, the story itself is about um, 
this land called Fantasia that is being threatened by uh, this thing. Yes, this thing called the Nothing. And essentially, it's going to like destroy their whole world unless uh, someone stops it. And the I forget what they call him. They like they're like calling for this uh, something. There's like a word for it, but the something happens to be this little boy. And they're like, "What the heck?" And he's like, "I'm the one. I swear." And then he goes on this big adventure to uh, try to save the world and stop the nothing. And uh, he takes his horse. And his horse gets sad and dies. And it is so sad. And uh, But then he finds this other creature thing. Dude, I have no the, idea that, what... No, like, you glossed over that it's so sad. It is so sad, buddy. I've seen... I watched... See, I saw that scene... I used, Back in the day, I used to look up... Because I was, I don't know, stupid. Like, back in... Probably before high school, like middle school, I would just look up sad scenes from moves on YouTube... And this was in a compilation. I was so upset by it. And I was like, I don't ever want to see that movie. Because it's a very sad scene. He gets taken by the sadness. And it is sad. It's super um, sad. I thought the movie looked really good. I thought it was... Like, it, visually it was super cool. I liked the um, night sky a lot. Like, you just see the bright stars and the darkness. And it's honestly really creepy in a way. Um, I like that... I don't remember what that thing's called that he's like flying around on. It's like looks like a freaking dog. <laughs> I like, love that thing. I forget it too. Thing. I haven't watched that movie in such a long time, but I grew up on it. Yeah, but I, I enjoyed that aspect, and I like the fact that um, this is just like a boy kind of reading the story. I always had my understanding. I always thought this movie was about like a boy who gets sucked into the story and that he was like the main character, but I didn't realize it was actually just a kid I think that's reading Age through Master. with that. I think there's the movie with Macaulay Culkin. Oh, okay. Well, I think the page master is about a kid who gets sucked into the book. Maybe that's what I'd be thinking of, but, um, yeah, so I thought it was a good movie. Um, I didn't, you know, it's not one that I would really go back to because I'm not huge on fantasy. This very much reminds me of the film Legend, which was super fantasy. I did that on Cellular Dissections um, with Derek and Heather Powell. And uh, I thought that movie was good as well, but it's just not my favorite subgenre. Like, I just can't get into the whole, I guess, lore of it and that kills the me. stuff. Why? Because it's magic. Like, I know it's magic, 80s, buddy. 90s fantasy films were so much better. Like, you don't get anything uh, no, like I, this ever now. Look how no, amazing this movie looks. I do agree. Like, the I think giant the visuals, rock thing, the dog thing. I think the visuals are fantastic, like I said, and I, I, I agree. You don't really get anything at all quite like this. Like, this is, like, the epitome of fantasy right here. Um, This is what I picture when I'm, like... Hey, I want to see a move that's just completely fantasy. Have you so, ever seen Dark Crystal? No. That's like another awesome fantasy kids movie. I feel like maybe I have. I feel like they might have played that in school before or something. Dude, like this movie is a kids. Fi- I watched this in school, <clears throat> and it's dark. It is dark. They don't do this anymore. You're right. They don't. They don't. It's a good movie. Just not one that I would really go back to because I'm a big fan of fantasy. Um, I gave this a seven and a half out of ten. <laughs> Douchebag. I wanted I'm sorry. you. Sorry. 
I'm sorry, um, buddy. I know you did. The film I'm is based sorry. on a book. Uh, there was a sequel to this film called The Neverending Story 2 that came out in 1990. I've seen it. Don't really remember it too much. And then there was a um, one that came out in 1994 called Neverending Story 3, Escape from e- Fantasia. Mm-hmm. Which I, don't, I, I think I'd seen... But I know for a fact that on like, you know, did you ever in like the wintertime when you had recess, did you guys just watch movies? Uh, no, we would just, um, we had playtime like inside school. Like we had toys and stuff to play with like inside class. I would say like three times a week we would watch movies, um, in the winter in school and Mm -hmm. They would, you know, it, I think recess was like 40 minutes or something. So you would get like, it would take three days to finish a movie. Right. Yeah. Um, but the, every time they would put in a VHS tape, which by the way, we didn't have DVDs when I was a kid in elementary school, it was all VHS still. They would put in a tape and it would be, um, the never, like the never ending story three would be on like 90% of the trailers, I swear. Cause I would always <laughs> see the trailer for it, but yeah, um, I love that. I love that movie, man. It, it's it's just an uh, all-time classic. It's like a 10 to me. Yeah, I could see it being nostalgic, but I did not grow up with it, unfortunately. I love fantasy, um, kids' fantasy movies. I see. I mean, I, I like see. fantasy in general. Like, I like swords and sandal movies, which is why I'm getting Beastmaster for X-Mass on 4K. Who's getting you that? You. Um, I don't know about, I don't even know what that movie is, buddy. Well, I told you that I was going to kill you if you didn't get it for me, so you better hope you got it. I did get a Vin Sin order the other day, and I sent it back, though, because I think it was a mistake, and I didn't want, like, whoever it was for to, like, miss out on it or be gypped out of their money, so. Well, buddy, I, sent I it think back that was your Vin Sin order, considering I told you to buy me Vin Sins, and you probably ordered during the Black Friday sale, especially when I sent you a screenshot of the stuff that I ordered for myself so that you didn't order me the same shit. Oh. I'm gonna have to call and see about that. Well, I'm just saying. Either Beastmaster on Christmas or Murder on Christmas. Oh. Jeez. (laughs) Alright, um, so let's go into our featured review, which is a anthology film called Death Sember from the year... But buddy, don't we have one more blind spot? What? Don't we have one more blind oh, spot? Oh, to pick, you mean? Yeah. Yeah, mine's going to be Taxi Driver by default, and yours will be Random Dangerous by... Minds. No, what? buddy, we... What? Why? Hello? What? You you have two left. Uh, but you... But, 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 but I skip one of them. Nobody. Let's do Nobody. it. Let's this just let's just let fate decide, like it did for me. It didn't. But it okay. did. Okay. You know you would rather me watch Taxi Driver. I would. Yes. And that's the longer one. So. Yeah, it is. Okay, so mine's Taxi Driver. You have two left. Mm-hmm. And I shall randomize. Uh, so what are the what? So what's the first one on the list? Dangerous Minds. Which is number what? Nine. And what's the next one? 
12, no country for old dicks. Okay, so so Dangerous Minds will be one, and the other one will be two. Oh, I haven't seen Super Bad either yet. <laughs> Shut up, ready? It is one. Wait, which was which? The first one was the one. So Dangerous Minds? I guess. Yay! I'm sorry, buddy. I'll watch the No Country one one day, okay? Okay. Okay, I'm sorry. Hugs? Buddy? What? Hugs? Bugs I didn't what? mean to hurt. Bugs bunny? Hug. Hugs. Like, I, I give you a hug and we make up for the the uh, the uh, No Country for, for Old Man problem. Uh, yes. Okay, so let's get into Deathcember. Deathcember 2019, getting its wide release in 2020. It is available for rent on Amazon Prime. I think that Scream Factory might be putting out a Blu-ray at some point. From what I read, I could be wrong about that. It is a anthology film running a whopping two hours and 25 minutes. wonder if they did that 25 on purpose there. I thought it was 26 minutes, buddy. Whatever. <laughs> um, so, yeah. It is described as a collection of 24 films that take a look at the dark side of the festive season. 24 international directors with the most diverse in ideas and styles. Linked by short animated segments that deal with an advent calendar itself. Yep. So, Barbara Crampton's in this. Tiffany Sheppis is in this. Um, and a ton of people I didn't recognize. There is a bunch of directors, most notably, I would say, Rogerio Diodato, as well as Lucky McKee, but there's there's a bunch of directors. Um, at first, I wanted to go in and rate each segment and do like an mm -hmm. average at the end, but <laughs> about 15 in, I realized I don't even remember what was what at this point, so... I guess let's just kind of go through them one by one, but we're not going to rate them. We'll just say brief thoughts if we have any on each one. All right. So, shall I say them? Yep. Because I took notes. Okay, the first, the very first opening was A Door Too Far by Dominic Saxel. And what was that and about? That I was. Remember. About a kid who, um, I believe he's eating, like, the chocolate out of... Oh, it might be an advent calendars. Calendar. Yeah. Yeah. And and then he's, like, this guy, like, puts a... Dude puts a curse on him, and then he becomes a chocolate. Yeah, I thought that one was good. Good opener. Yeah, decent. Decent. All right. And number then... Two. All right. Number two uh, is All Sales Fatal by Michael Verratti. Now, this was one of my favorites in the Advent Calendar movie, Death December. Uh, this one stars Tiffany Shepis. Uh, basically, Tiffany Shepis tries to return a gift that she bought, but she doesn't have the receipt. And the dude's like, <laughs> for, anytime there's customer service in the movie, I would be like, I would get so in trouble if I acted like that. <laughs> yeah. And um, yeah, they end up getting into a fight and stabbing each other with pens and stuff like that. And I thought that one was really good. Yeah, I like that one as well. I put pen stabbies in my description here, and uh, the pen stabbies like pained me, like it really cringed me out. So I thought that one was pretty cool. 
Um, then number three was Aurora by Lazar Badrosa. This was the worst one in the movie to me. I have no idea what even happened in this one. Like, I didn't understand what was really going no, it's on. It's set in, like, December 24th, 25th, like, 3030 or something. I don't know what the hell was going on. It it looked yeah. cool visually. It's like, I think yeah. they're just like, oh, I have access to these really cool special effects. I'll just make my movie about that. And then nothing happened. Yeah. Literally nothing happened. So, and it's very not Christmas. Out of all of them, it's like not Christmassy. Um, number four was Xmas on Fire by Florian Fritschens, which is uh, basically Reservoir Dogs. Oh, yeah, that one. That was one of my favorites, too. So right away, we're starting off with, like, three good ones, one bad one. I was pretty pretty good with this. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, this one was cool. It was it was a, basically a parody kind of on Reservoir Dogs, uh, but set on Christmas. It was fun, and I really, la- I really liked the little Reservoir Dogs nods. Yeah, it was funny. They do some funny stuff at the beginning. It was even the, told, uh, like, sister- out of sync, but, like, obnoxiously. <laughs> To kind yeah. of like parody the Tarantino effect and stuff. I thought it was cool. Yeah, that one was cool. Alright, and then number five was... I have no idea. Villan Cisos Isaac Esbon. And that is the one with the uh, relative who's on his deathbed. And really? then the carolers are singing. Yes. That's crazy that that was what that one was. Because this is all; these are all mostly good up until this point. Yeah, <laughs> Except I know. For that third I know. one. Um, like I thought that one was one. much later. Yeah. Uh, this is a really simple but effective one where a relative is dying, and he they, they have the like uh, monitor in there, and it flatlines. It's like me, and then like they notice that when the Christmas carolers are singing, he comes back to life. So they make they bring the Christmas carol- carolers up there and they sing and then it's just like it just cuts and shows like different points in time like they never stop singing to keep this guy alive like 20, 30, 40, 50 years, 80 years have passed <laughs> and they're still singing and it's like actually dark and creepy and like they do a good effect to like it's all in this one room but it, it gives you the sense that like there's like some nuclear war going outside or <laughs> something. It was I thought it was it's definitely I think it's one of the best of the bunch. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like you said, it's very simple, but it's like super. It's effective the way they do it. So um, I thought it was really, really good. Um, and then after that, we have "Joy to the Girls" by Sonia Escalano. I'm probably saying these all wrong. And this is the one where the man is invited to that party with all these females who are like drinking wine and dancing around him, and then it becomes like sort of like a ritualistic thing. Um, I thought this one was like all right. I didn't really care for it too much. Not very Christmassy. I can't really remember it too well, so for me, probably a little forgettable. Yeah. Um, but then after that, we have The Hunchback of Berghain by Bob Pipe, and that was the old-timey silent film. I thought that was but, one of the better ones in the, in the just, film, too. Just, like, filming-wise, it was, like, great. It and looked like a, little, a silent the story, film. Yeah, it looked great. Um, and the story was cool too for how short it was um then after that we had family matters this is number eight by steve de ruver um this is the one where the boyfriend go or husband boyfriend whatever goes to the girlfriend's house 
for Christmas with the parents, and there's like that parasite thing that's, you know. Yeah, I thought that things. one was good too. Mm-hmm. Kind of creepy. Yeah, that, shot at the end there. Yeah, I like that one. Uh, kind of cringely gross with that parasite stuff. Um, and then we have oh, this is okay. Well, this is the one number nine for me was they used to laugh and call him names by B J Colangelo. Which for me, that one was the in the credits. It was there's two bonus segments in the credits, and that one was in the credits for me. It was the last one. Mm-hmm. And this was kind of like a comedic one where a kid and his uh, dad are going hunting, and then the tables get turned. Um, I liked it just because it was. I thought it was funny and like ridiculous. Yeah, um, I will say that. It was all right. I liked it. But the the real <laughs> segment that is supposed <laughs> to be there is... Oh, you know who this is. BJ Colangelo. The, the person who directed that, they used to last one call him names, is one of the chicks who was a moderator in the Shockwaves group. Oh, really? Yeah. Ugh. I okay. knew that name sounded familiar, and I just Googled him, and it's the same person. Wow, okay. Yeah. And oddly enough, um, I think they were in, or they worked on one of Dustin Mills' films as an actress here. Hmm. The Hornet's Discipline and the Scars She Left. I see, I see. Yeah. But okay, we 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 didn't we didn't plan on going into the directors too much, but okay. Um, the uh, the real version um, on Amazon they cut this segment out. It's called Crappy Christmas, I think. Mhm. Uh, yeah, that's what. Yeah. Operation Christmas Child, and it is about it's a claymation segment. And it was funny because I was like, how is the best segment in this, a claymation segment, and the best segment in uh, another super long anthology, ABCs of Death, was Toilet. Which was a claymation segment. And you said that, and I said, what? Yeah, and I was like, the claymation segment. And you're like, what? And at first I thought you didn't know what claymation was. Because I was like, "Uh, do you not know what claymation is? Because clearly this one would be like very notable. And I was like, the Gumby character, because this yeah, the character look looks like up. Gumby. And you're like, you didn't know what Gumby was because you're a, a child. Okay, dude. You're a baby. Alright, dude, but I looked up Gumby and I was like, there was no Gumby character in this move. What are you talking about? And, and then we put it together and we're like, oh, I think this one was cut out because we even went and did some investigating. And I was like, let me see what number it was for me. And I went back, it was number nine. And you went to number nine and yeah. So it was, it's about this kid who wakes up on Christmas and goes outside and gets abducted by these priests and raped. It's horrifying. Mm-hmm. Horrifying. Yeah, I was rather upset. It was disturbing. It was upsetting. It was uncomfortable, but it was also mm-hmm. the best segment. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, it's if fun. you're going to check it out, see the uncut version. Which you can't get on Amazon. Yes. All right. All right. Um, How many more? Buddy, I'm on number 10. (laughs) This is your fault. Stop talking about BJ and stuff. 
Okay, so Five Deaths in Blood Red by Amalia Lee. Fancy family gathering, better in a house, pretty colors, too short. Hold on. Fancy family gathering, murder in house. Yeah, pretty I don't colors, really too short. One. Fancy family gathering. I don't know. I don't know what I'm talking about. I, I know, what know what it is, but I can't remember it. Yeah, okay. So that's one. I put a. <laughs> See, I put like a frowny face next to the ones I didn't like, and I put that there for that one. Ooh, and okay. um, so, okay. Then after that, we have "Kill Santa" by Sadrak Gonzalez Perelon, and this is the one where the little girl says she wants to kill Santa. Mm. Um. Oh, is it the Asian it was... one? No, I think that's. Wait, is that the one next? No, it's not the Asian one. This is the one, the little girl, I think it's her big sister or something. She's like, I want to effing kill him. And it's like the Santa doing the Salvation Army, like, bell thing. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Eh, it was all right. Yeah, I thought that one was just okay. I didn't really care for it. I thought it was just, like, not a lot going on. And then after that, uh, we have Bad Santa by Julian Richards. Uh, and this is, this is the one where they talk about they tell the kid about the Krampus story and then uh, it's like a son and a daughter and the parents say about Krampus and that they have to go to bed and then uh, the dad like dresses up like Krampus. Oh, and don't they like kill him or something? Yeah. Yeah, that one was okay. Yeah, I like that one. Yeah. Um, and then we have Santa is Coming by Sangwoo Lee and this is the Asian one. It was with, okay. Uh, yeah, did you notice there was All a Jason the mask stuff. and an yep. arrow video? Yeah, um, he had the Romero set, I think. Mm-hmm. I thought that was pretty cool, but yep. I thought it was just alright. I, di- I honestly didn't even like that one that much, honestly, yeah. but I thought that was cool. And then we have A Christmas Miracle by Vivian Vaughn, and uh, this is where the girl wishes for her child to be brought back to life. Mm, that one's um, okay. Yeah, I was kind of bored. I was kind of like, eh, on that one. Then we have uh, the Ruggiero Diodato one, number 15, Cassetta Spurduta and Campina, which I believe translated to something about some cottage in the woods or something. <laughs> um, That one was alright. That was the one where uh, the woman like plays that prank where she, well, the woman's like acting like she hates Christmas, and then the whole family's like dead. Mm-hmm. So, I thought that was all right. Uh, then number sixteen. Yeah, I didn't was mind mo- that one. I didn't mind that one. Yeah, it was kind of for it. it, it kind of happened like really fast, but yeah, so do all quick. these stupid shorts. Um, then we have Milk and Cookies by Sam Weinman, and uh, this is that is the one, one with where- the kid who has the dickhead dad? Yes. Yeah, that's one of my favorites. Yeah, I enjoyed that one. I gave that a thumbs up. Pretty good. <laughs> and then the next one is called J Pig. No, it's just called Pig by Andreas Marshall. Where uh, there's this like dance party going on. And there's a guy there that these girls are like calling the pig. And they want to capture him. Mm, didn't like it. Thought it was cringe. Uh, very cringe. Very like Me Too-esque. Um... And then we have the one they once had horses by Lucky McKee. Didn't like it. Black and white western. I liked it. I thought it was funny, and I liked the black and white western style too. It's 
And it's not super Christmassy, but it was set on Christmas, and I like it. Then we have December the 19th by Milan Todorovic. Um, This is the one where the girls go ice skating. I didn't really like it. Nope, didn't like Like, it. Like lesbians going ice skating. Um, And then after that, we have Getting Away From It All by Pollyanna McIntosh. Do you know who she is? Nope. She played the woman. Oh, did not know that. Yes. Um, And what's this one? Oh, this is I. I thought I liked this one. I had a cool atmosphere. It was about the man who uh, rents that cabin like out in the middle of nowhere because he's trying to like skip out on Christmas. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, I like uh, that one. Yeah, that was. I thought it had good atmosphere. Twenty one. We have Family Feast by Remy Frischette. Uh, I don't know. Um, this is the one with the family gathering and uh, the girls like drinking this punch and she's kind of like tripping out. And there's like an uncle dressed like Santa and she keeps seeing him being all crazy and stuff. I kind of liked it. I thought it was trippy and weird. It was okay. Yes. And then number 22, Before Sundown by Jason Rostovsky. Not even hard, Jason Rostovsky. It's the one where the Jewish kids are trying to get home before sundown. I don't remember it. Oh, uh... It was it was decent. They're trying to get home before sundown. It's like tradition, but they're running late, and this like monster kind of is attacking them. Hmm. Twenty three is called Cracker by John Cook Lynch. Very awesome American name. Easy. Um, oh, this is the one where the family is pulling open those like I don't know, like fortune things where you pull, you grip both ends and pull it open, mm-hmm. and they're all upset. Uh, I, I like that one. It had like a I think awesome I might have tuned out at this time. I don't remember either of those two. <laughs> Did you suck? Uh, it was this one was good though. And then um twenty four Operation Dolph by Trent Haga. Uh I had uh this is where Santa's trying to he's like all pissed off and trying to get Rudolph back. I oh, didn't yeah. like this one at all. Yeah, I didn't like it either. And then we have number 25. This is getting into the first end credit thing for me. It was called Chris, Chris, Christmas Corp. Dot Corpse by Annika Marks. Uh, mid-credit scene. Uh, and it's like a report that's making people crazy or something. I don't really remember this one too much, honestly, and I thought it sucked. And then lastly, 26. Another, the second after credit scene, because we had to make... It's funny, this movie, like, the credits start rolling at, like, two hours and ten minutes or so, or five minutes, and I'm like, oh, wow, this movie's a lot shorter than I thought it was, but they made sure they drew it out by (laughs) adding these two credit scenes that you wouldn't have even known were coming. The only reason I knew is because I, like, was fast-forwarding to see one of the names of the other scenes that I had missed out on. Had I not done it, I would have just turned it off. But anyway, 26 was called Ring My Bell by... Alosha, sorry, this was freaking awful too. It was like a stripper. Santa comes and is like a stripper. I don't even think I had that one. You probably didn't have, yeah. All right, so um, that is that on that. Uh, overall, it's a complete mixed bag with like maybe one great short and then like five good ones. Mm-hmm. And yeah, the rest, I just... uh, okay too bad mm-hmm. yeah nothing really fantastic honestly um and 
the whole thing, like, it's like the ABCs of, what, death? Yep. Or death? Yeah. Um, like, I don't like, I just don't like it. Like, you're trying to cram too many very tiny shorts into one film, and they're just too short. Like, I'm all for shorts. I do like them. I like anthologies, but... A short can be too short, and I feel like you need just a little bit more to put into it, because, you know, I saw people were like, oh, well, it's okay, each segment's only five minutes, so if you don't like one, go on to the next one, but it's like, I don't even have time to decide well, if I, I like that. one or not. <laughs> oh, no, I saw, like, reviews saying that as well. Yeah, my review but, said that. Oh, uh, well, okay. But um, my anyway. problem with that is... If you run into uh, like four or five that suck in a row, then you're got you got like thirty minutes of pain ahead of you. <laughs> True. Yes. Um, I think that the that this short of a format, you really have to have something. Like mm-hmm. the, the the perfect example is the claymation segment, because mm-hmm. it has an interesting start. There's no downtime. You're not like, wow, this is stupid at any point. Or, like, you're not like, this is boring. Like, the entire thing is entertaining the entire time. Yeah. There's not one wasted moment in that short. Yes. But, of course, that gets cut out for being as much as it is. Yeah. Um, but other ones, too, right? Like, the the mm-hmm. um, the milk and cookies one. Like, there's nothing mm-hmm. wasted in that one. Right, yeah. So it's like right. you either have to have like a good short story that you're telling or you can't waste any time. You cannot waste time in a short film. You just can't. Mm-hmm. So you don't have time to build characters and to build atmosphere and to have like long shots or anything. Like just get to the point, you know, have something short and creative. And I feel like a lot of these people miss that. But it just like that's why I didn't hate Rogerio Diodato's too. It got really to the point. I think it's the, probably the shortest one in there. Mm-hmm. Um, it yeah, wasn't yeah. phenomenal or anything, but it, at least it didn't waste my time. Yes, I hear you. Um, so at the end of the day, I think that this is, and even like the Hunchback one, that one was cool. Didn't waste my mm-hmm. time. Went by fast. At the end of the day, I think that this format just doesn't work like you just have to like the the concept of just getting a bunch of indie filmmakers to make a short and get 24 of them if everybody's not doing something great it's just never gonna work it didn't work with abc's the death it didn't work with abc's the death too and in my opinion it doesn't work with death december i don't think that it's a horrible film i think that it's worth your time if only for curiosity's sake on christmas to sort of watch in the background and be like oh this what's this one you know like that type of thing mm. but to actually sit down and watch two and a half hours of this is oh is actually painful yeah i agree i agree so let me see if we have letterboxd reviews favorite time of the night all right um, what was I going to read? Where am I? I suck so much cock. Oh, okay. Yes, this guy... <laughs> what? Nothing. Oh, okay. This guy gave it four stars. Doc Manson. Let's see what Doc Manson enjoys. Let's see. He likes Evil Dead 2, A Nightmare on Elm Street, Godzilla, whichever one of the newer ones it looks like, and Ghostbusters, so... Horror fan. Uh, it says, a fun and quick moving anthology film. 
with something like 26 shorts if you watch all the way until the end of the credits. The various short stories vary in terms of production value and originality, but most are clever and enjoyable. Even if there's a short you don't care for, each is oh this is where I read that. Each one is only about five minutes long, so just wait for the next one. Personal highlights: Family Feast, Ring My Bell, December the 19th, Crack Air, Family Matters, Pig, <laughs> Milk and Cookies, and They Once Had Horses. Oh, I, I bet that I like guy that one. didn't get um, Crappy Christmas either. I bet most of these people did not. Yeah. <laughs> You're probably like the only one who saw that version. Um, then I was gonna read. Where's the ad? I was going to read Dustin Baker. Where is his thing at? Here it is. Here it is. He gave it two and a half stars and he said, Another mixed bag of shorts, as scattered as any of them. Oh, as scattered shot as any of them. Some great, some decent, a lot of forgettable ones, but the real killer in the time sink is the time sink involved in watching it. I know they're committed to the gimmick, but good lord, trim the fat man. I don't know, maybe a 12 days of Christmas theme would work better than a full 24, which I agree with. I think they should have done that. 12 days of Christmas. Yeah, I so, agree. Yeah, that would have been like a great idea. Especially since, shorter. The con- since it only did 24 in the main thing anyway. It's like, who goes up right. to Christmas Eve? <laughs> right. And then, like, they draw... I think it's stupid, because then it's like you get two bonus, so it goes up to 26, so it's not even 25. It's like you're going overboard now to the day after Christmas. But anyway, yeah, um, what do you rate this bad boy? Well, I originally... Oh, sorry. I'm getting tired. I originally gave it a 6 out of 10, but after talking about it and really talking about each short, it's it's not. It's just I can't pass it that high. It's It's just not... So to me, it's a five out of ten. It's average. Uh, I think as a as a movie, as like a viewing experience, it's below average. It's more like a four. But the highlights are worth seeing. So I'm gonna give it a five. I am right there with you. I give it a five, and I was kind of like thinking, leaning towards a little bit higher too at first. But when I really think about it. The only reason I was thought that way is because, like, I didn't think a lot of shorts were horrible, but at the same time, they're not, like, amazing enough to really elevate it and make me think, like, I gotta recommend this to people. So, I think it's very average. Five. Definitely a complete mixed bag. I feel like kind of evens out almost, like, the ones that I really enjoy, or the ones I enjoyed a little bit versus the ones I didn't enjoy at all. So, five out of ten. Watch it if you feel like spending two and a half hours watching a move, I guess. Right. All right. And with that said, we hope you guys enjoy. Uh, We will probably have one more episode before the end of the year. uh, And then we will see you guys in the next year. So peace out. Peace. Welcome back to His and Hers Movie Podcast. This is episode number 47. Severin. Buddy, <laughs> I said 47. <laughs> Buddy, I am not laughing right now. Come on. This is only the first time I messed up. Dude, that was like the 15th time. Welcome back to His and Hers Movie Podcast. This is episode number 47 featuring... 
damn. <laughs> <laughs> Buddy, this isn't funny. What? This is, come on, this is not the time to drop the ball. I'm not. Wait, I'm dropping the ball like they yeah. do at Madison Square Garden. What? Isn't that where they drop the ball? I don't know. Wait, what ball? Oh, the Times Square? Times Square. Damn it. You're stupid as hell. <laughs> Madison Square Garden is in New York, damn it, I think. I, I don't really know, I think. All right, you ready? Yes! Aren't all gardens semi-square? Buddy! Okay, okay. 